tickets. Think about where you can make changes. 2. How much do these items slash activities cost? Highlight the most significant of these expenditures and make a note of the associated costs. Next, calculate how many times per week you indulge in this expense and take a reality check snapshot. 3. Now on a scale from 0 to 10, with 0 representing none and 10 representing extremely pleasurable, how much joy do you get from each of these? Attach a number to each activity slash item to help you associate these costs to your life. 4. Next, think of what it would feel like to have absolute financial freedom. Remember how you responded to that concept back in the financial dreams chapter? Remember how it made you feel? But at the time, remember that this was a feeling you experienced in the abstract, in theory. Here it's close enough to taste. What would you be able to enjoy, have, do, be, or give if you were absolutely financially free? 5. Decide which is more important to you, the joy you receive from the recurring expenditures on your list or the feeling of absolute financial freedom. Remember that life is a balance. You don't have to cut out everything from your list to move the needle on that feeling of freedom. 6. Write down at least three expenditures you are resolved to eliminate. Calculate how much money this will save you over the course of the next year. Chapter 3.4 Speed It Up 2. Earn More and Invest the Difference Try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. Albert Einstein Okay, let's kick into second gear. If saving is one way to speed up your plan, there is an even faster way that literally has no limits, if you unleash your creativity and focus and become obsessed with finding a way to do more for others than anyone else. That's how you earn more and shift into the fast lane to freedom. Driving a truck to financial freedom? When I was growing up, my mother had a great plan for me. She wanted me to become a truck driver. She had seen these ads on television over and over for Truck Master Truck Driving Education School. She told me with little training I could qualify as a truck driver and make up to $24,000 a year. $24,000. That was twice what my dad was earning as a parking attendant in downtown Los Angeles. She thought that this would provide a great future for me. She worked into her sales pitch that I'd have the freedom to be on the open road and drive. It actually appealed to me on a certain level, the idea that I could just turn my music on and go. Kind of a cool thought for a 14-year-old kid that was not even driving yet. I'd have the opportunity to get up and go instead of being stuck in an underground parking garage for 30-plus years. But after all of the misery I had witnessed, all of the shame associated with four different fathers of never having enough money for clothing or food, I realized I could never drive a truck long enough or far enough to allow me to escape the pain of that situation. In my head, I decided that there was no way in my lifetime I would have a family that would suffer this way. On top of that, I wanted to use my mind and my heart. I wanted to get in the game of life at a different level. I looked around and wondered how other people's lives could be so vastly different from my own. Why were we struggling constantly to make ends meet, to stay ahead of the bill collector, 
choosing between canned beans or spaghetti with ketchup because we couldn't afford tomato sauce. And yet, in the same city, not far from us, kids I went to high school with were taking fancy vacations and studying on picture-perfect college campuses, living a life well beyond my wildest dream, a life so obviously different from the one we would ever experience. What did they know that we didn't know? What were they doing differently from my father and mother? I became obsessed. How was it possible that someone could earn twice as much money in the same amount of time? Three times as much, ten times as much. It seemed crazy. From my perspective, it was an unsolvable riddle. Invest in yourself. I was working as a janitor, and I needed extra money. A man my parents knew and who my father had called a loser had become quite successful in a short period of time, at least in financial terms. He was buying, fixing, and flipping real estate in Southern California and needed a kid on the weekend to help him move furniture. That chance encounter, that fateful weekend of working my tail off, led to an opening that would change my life forever. His name was Jim Hanna. He took notice of my hustle and drive. When I had a moment, I asked him, how did you turn your life around? How did you become so successful? I did it, he said, by going to a seminar by a man named Jim Rohn. What's a seminar, I asked. It's a place where a man takes 10 or 20 years of his life and all he's learned, and he condenses it into a few hours so that you can compress years of learning into days, he answered. Wow, it sounded pretty awesome. How much does it cost? $35, he told me. What? I was making $40 a week as a part-time janitor going to high school. Can you get me in? I asked. Sure, he said. But I won't, because you wouldn't value it if you didn't pay for it. I stood there disheartened. How could I ever afford $35 for three hours with this expert? Well, if you don't think you're worth the investment, don't make it, he finally shrugged. I struggled and struggled with that one, but ultimately decided to go for it. It turned out to be one of the most important investments of my life. I took a week's pay and went to a seminar where I met Jim Rohn, the man who became my life's first mentor. I sat in an Irvine, California hotel ballroom listening to Jim Rohn, riveted. This silver-haired man literally echoed the questions that had been burning in my mind. He too had grown up poor, wondering, even though his father was a good man, why his father struggled so hard only to suffer while others around him prospered. And then, suddenly, he answered the question I had been asking myself literally for years. What's the secret to economic success, the key, he said, is to understand how to become more valuable in the marketplace. To have more, you simply have to become more. Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. For things to change, you have to change. For things to get better, you have to get better. We get paid for bringing value to the marketplace. It takes time, but we don't get paid for time. We get paid for value. America is unique. It's a ladder to climb. It starts down here at what? About $2.30 an hour? What was the top income last year? The guy who runs Disney. $52 million. Would a company pay somebody for one year's worth $52 million? The answer is, of course. If you help a company make a billion dollars, would they pay you $52 million? Of course. It's chicken feed. It's not that much money. 
Is it really possible to become that valuable? The answer is, of course. And then he let me in on the ultimate secret. How do you truly become more valuable? Learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So can you personally become twice as valuable and make twice as much money in the same time? Is it possible to become ten times as valuable and make ten times as much money in the same time? Is that possible? Of course. And then he paused and looked directly in my eyes and said, All you have to do to earn more money in the same amount of time is simply become more valuable. And there it was. There was my answer. Once I got that, it turned my life around. That clarity, that simplicity, the wisdom of those words, they hit me like a hundred-pound brick. Those are the exact words I've heard Jim Rohn speak probably a hundred times. I've carried them in my heart every day since, including the day that I spoke at his funeral. That man, that seminar, that day, what Jim Rohn did was put me back in control of my own future. He made me stop focusing on what was outside of my control, my past, the poverty, other people's expectations, the state of the economy, and taught me to focus instead on what I could control. I could improve myself. I could find a way to serve, a way to do more, a way to become better, a way to add value to the marketplace. I became obsessed with finding ways to do more for others than anyone else was doing in less time. That began a never-ending process that continues to this day. At its most basic level, it provided a pathway to progress that continues to drive and lead every single decision I make and action I take. In the Bible, there is a simple tenet that says if you wish to become great, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. If you wish to become great, learn to become the servant of many. If you can find a way to serve many people, you can earn more. Find a way to serve millions of people, you can earn millions. It's the law of added value. And if the gospel of Warren Buffett is more your thing than verse, the oracle is famous for saying that the most powerful investment he ever made in his life, and that anyone can make, is an investment in himself. He talks about investing in personal development books and educating himself, and how a Dale Carnegie course completely changed his life. Buffett once told me this story himself when we were on the Today Show together. I laughed and asked him to keep telling that story. It's good for business, I grinned. I took Jim Rohn's message to heart and became obsessed. I would never stop growing, never stop giving, never stop trying to expand my influence or my capacity to give and do good. And as a result, over the years, I've become more valuable in the marketplace, to the point that I'm extremely fortunate enough today that finances are no longer an issue in my life. I'm not unique. Anyone can do the same. If we let go of our stories about the past and break through our stories about the present and its limits, problems are always available, but so is opportunity. What does the American income ladder look like today? My bet is Jim Rohn couldn't have imagined that in 2013. The low end of the ladder would be $7.25 an hour, $15,080 annually, and that the high-end earner of the year would be Appaloosa management founder and hedge fund leader David Tepper, who earned $3.5 billion in personal income. How could any human being make even a billion a year, much less $3.5 billion? 
Why such an incredibly low income for some people and such a high income opportunity for others? The answer is the marketplace puts very little value on being a cashier at McDonald's, $7.77 an hour, because it requires a skill that can be learned in a few hours by almost anyone. However, successfully expanding people's financial returns in a significant way is a much more rare and valued set of skills. When most Americans are getting less than 33 basis points, a third of 1% annually, as a return on their money from the bank, David Tepper delivered a 42% return for his investors in the same time. How valuable were his contributions to their economic lives? If he got them a 1% return, he would have been 300% more valuable. A 42% return means he added 12,627% more economic value to their lives. So how about you? What are you going to do to add more value to the marketplace? How are you going to ensure abundance rather than struggle? If we're going to make a radical shift and take you from where you are today to where you want to be, to financial freedom, then this path is the most powerful one I know to get you there. Now, before you start your rallying cry of objections, let me just say, I know that things are different today. I know it's a challenging time for the economy. I know we've lost two million jobs since 2008, and the ones that are coming back are mostly service or low-paying jobs. And yes, I realize that incomes have been stagnant for the last 20 years. Guess what interest rates and unemployment looked like in 1978 when I started my career? Within two years, interest rates had skyrocketed. My first investment of fourplex in Long Beach, California, had an 18% mortgage. Can you imagine interest rates at 18% today to buy a home? We'd have a revolt on the White House lawn, but history is circular. Always has been, always will be. Yes, incomes are stagnant if you don't find a way to geometrically add more value. But if you find a way to add value, incomes move in one direction, and that's always up. During the Great Recession, 8.8 .8 million jobs were lost. In 2008, 2.3 million jobs were lost in that year alone. Unemployment peaked at 10%. But remember, that 10% unemployment rate is an average some portions of the population had unemployment levels over 25%, but for those making $100,000 per year or more, what would you guess was their unemployment rate? The answer? Close to 1%. The lesson? If you truly develop skills that are needed in the current marketplace, if you constantly improve and become more valuable, someone will employ you or you'll employ yourself, regardless of the economy. And if you employ yourself... Your raise becomes effective when you are. Even today, it's a totally different story in Silicon Valley, where jobs are for the taking. Technology companies can't fill their openings fast enough. They can't find enough qualified people. Jobs are out there, but you and I need to retool our skill sets, retool ourselves, so that we become valuable in the new marketplace. I can promise you this. Most of those old jobs aren't coming back. Let's look at history. 150 years ago, 80% of Americans were farmers. Today, 2% of the U.S. population works in farming and agriculture, and we feed the entire world. New technology disrupted everything. Suddenly, one farmer could do the work of 500. Many people struggled, many lost their jobs. 
For those who didn't adapt, the Industrial Revolution was an incredibly painful time. But that very same technology that brought along steam power and machine tools that displaced people in the short term made the quality of life of everyone around them exponentially better and provided more jobs at a higher level of income. Today's new technologies are causing massive disruption once again. Oxford researchers say that fully 45% of America's occupations will be automated, translation, replaced, within the next 20 years. You and I have to retool to a different level. I promise you, 150 years ago, no one could fathom a day when there would be jobs called social media marketer, stem cell scientist, and robotics engineer. No one could imagine that an electrician or a plumber would make $150,000 a year or that a factory worker could learn how to use a computer to automate a machine and earn $100,000 in the process. But just because people couldn't imagine it doesn't mean it wouldn't happen. I meet people every day who tell me the job market is frozen or they've been laid off and they'll never find work again. But I'm here to tell you it's not the market. It's you. You can increase your earnings potential. Anyone can. You can add value to the marketplace. You can learn new skills. You can master your own mindset. You can grow and change and develop, and you can find the job and economic opportunity that you need and deserve. But if your job is going to be obsolete in the next five or ten years, it's time to think about making a pivot and trying something new. A pivot is what Silicon Valley calls it when you go from one business to another, usually after a colossal failure. If you're listening to this book right now, you're a person who looks for answers, for solutions, for a better way. There are hundreds of ways you can retool your skill set. You can do it by going after a college education, a trade education, or self-education. You can earn $100,000 to millions a year, and not by just going and spending a boatload of money on a four-year college degree. That can put you $100,000 in debt or more. Millions of jobs are available in this country, but there is also a major skills gap. According to Mike Rome, host of Discovery Channel's Dirty Jobs, there are about 3.5 million jobs available right now, and only 10% of those jobs require a four-year degree. That means that the other 90% of them require something else. They require training, skill, or a willingness to get dirty, perhaps, but mostly a willingness to learn a new and useful trade. According to Roe, that's always been for sale, but it's kind of fallen out of our country's narrative. Retooling is both exciting and scary. Exciting because of the opportunity to learn, grow, create, and change. Exciting once you realize I'm valuable, I have a contribution to make, I'm worth more. Scary because you think, how am I going to do this? Remember Jim Rohn's words, for things to change, you have to change. For things to get better, you have to get better. Retool or be the fool. Get rid of your story of limitation and shift into high gear. People often say to me, Tony, that's great if you have your own business or you work in a company where it's growing. But what if you're in a traditionally low-paying job and you love what you do? What if you're a teacher? What then? Let's step outside our own limiting thinking and let me give you a perfect example of a school teacher who used to struggle, but because of his passion and his desire to help more students, he found a way to add more value and earn more than most teachers ever dream about. The real limitation in our earnings is never our job. 
It's our creativity, our focus, and our contribution. Creativity, Contribution, and the Korean Rockstar If you ever had a third-grade teacher who inspired you to try something new, or an eighth-grade teacher who believed in your own child beyond measure, you know the power of a single role model in the life of a child. Our teachers are one of our greatest yet most underappreciated and underpaid assets. So what do you do if you're a teacher or you have a similar job where your upside potential seems to be limited? As a teacher, how can one think about adding value to more than just 30 students in their classroom? Is there a way you might be able to add value to hundreds of students, thousands of students, even millions? There are plenty of school teachers who think, I'll never make enough money doing what I love. There is broad agreement that we as a society don't value teachers in the way that we should. But as we now know, that limiting belief holds people back. Kim Ki-hoon is a teacher in South Korea who refused to buy into that story. Unlike most teachers, Kim Ki-hoon is known as a rock star in South Korea. Kim is one of the most successful teachers in his country. How did he become so successful? He worked harder on himself on his ability to teach than he did on his job. Sixty years ago, according to the Wall Street Journal, the majority of South Koreans were illiterate, the country realized they needed to take massive and dramatic action. Today, teachers there are constantly encouraged to study, to innovate, to teach the same class a new way every day. They're taught to learn from one another, mentor each other, find the best techniques to add more value. The result? High school students today in South Korea rank second in reading, with a 93% graduation rate, compared with just 77% in the United States. Ki-hoon took that model and ran with it. He put enormous time into finding the best teachers, studying their patterns, learning how to create breakthroughs. He found a way to help his students learn faster, better, smarter. And not just his students, but students all across the country. Why focus on just helping 30 students, he thought. Why not help as many as I can? With the advent of technology, he realized he could put his classes online and make his passion for teaching and learning available to everyone. Today, Ki-hoon works about 60 hours a week, but only three hours of those are for giving lectures. The other 57 hours are spent researching, innovating, developing curriculum, and responding to students. The harder I work, the more I make, he says. And he works hardest to become better for the people he serves. Ki-hoon records his classes on video and circulates them on the Internet, where students log on at the rate of $4 an hour. How does he know it works? How does he know he's adding more value than anyone else? The marketplace always tells you your true worth or value. Guess how many people buy his classes? Last year, his annual earnings topped $4 million. The more value Ki-hoon offers via online classes and tutorials, the more students sign up. And it follows, more students means more money. In this case, a lot more. A teacher earning $4 million. How does that compare to the best school teacher you know? Kihun's story shatters the belief our profession limits us. He's part of the 1% not because he's lucky, not because he was in the right place at the right time, not because he chose a lucrative profession. No, Kihun is a wealthy man, part of the 1%, because he has never stopped learning, never stopped growing, never stopped investing in himself.
the ultimate multitasker. But what if you're not an entrepreneur? What if you have absolutely no interest in hanging up your own shingle? What if you work in corporate America or even for a small business? Can you still figure out a way to add more value and increase your earning potential? Let me tell you about a young woman, Daniela. Daniela worked in a marketing department doing art design and didn't see any clear path toward moving up in her company. She was extremely talented, but more importantly, she was hungry. She was constantly looking to do more and give more. It was just her nature. And so she often helped her colleagues with visual arts. And then she wanted to learn about marketing, so she started studying marketing and offered to help. And then, of course, she realized she didn't really know anything about social media, but the opportunities there seemed huge, so she decided to educate herself on social media as well. After a few years, Daniela was doing many of the jobs of her co-workers, and they forgot that she was offering a gift, and they started to take her for granted. A new pattern emerged. At five o'clock, when jobs with key deadlines were still not done, she worked alone at her desk as her associates slipped out the door. She didn't want to stay late, but she wasn't going to let the company and their clients down. When it was clear her colleagues were actually taking advantage of her drive and ambition, she reached her limit. I'm doing three people's jobs plus my own. But instead of getting angry, Daniela decided it was an opportunity. What did she do? Daniela approached her CEO and laid it on the line. Right now, I'm doing the work of four people. I've gone to courses, I've learned and taught myself about visual arts, marketing, and social media. I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but I can save you 50% of your marketing costs right now and eliminate three people by taking on their jobs myself. And I'll do a better job, too. I don't need you to trust me on this. Let me prove myself to you. Let them keep doing their jobs for six months, and I'll do my assignments and theirs so you'll have two different examples to pick from. You decide what's best. All Daniela asked was that if she did a better job after six months, her boss would give her more responsibility and more pay. Fifty percent more. And guess what? She did it. She proved herself on the visual art front, the marketing front, with great copywriting and with a successful social media campaign. She showed that not only could she handle the extra work, she could run circles around the competition. She could outperform them all. She added enough value that the company realized they could pay one person twice as much money and still cut their costs in half. The marketplace had spoken. Happiness is not in the mere possession of money. It lies in the joy of achievement, in the thrill of creative effort. Franklin D. Roosevelt Opportunity is everywhere. How are you going to add more value to the world? How are you going to contribute more, earn more, and increase your impact? There are hundreds, if not thousands, of stories of average individuals who saw a problem, looked at things just a little bit differently, and went on to disrupt entire industries or create entirely new markets. They weren't entrepreneurs. They were just people like you and me, people who wouldn't settle. In the world we live in today, no industry or product is immune. The intersection of all things digital, the Internet, social media, and technology, the interconnectedness of every person and everything on Earth. That means that even the biggest companies, the most mature or stable businesses, are ripe for disruption. Enter Nick Woodman. Riding the Wave
Who would have predicted that Kodak, the corporate titan that dominated the world of photography in the 20th century, would be caught flat-footed when digital imaging came on the scene? Kodak invented digital photography, and yet, after 124 years in business, the company filed for bankruptcy in 2012, a move that had a disastrous ripple effect on the economy in and around Rochester, New York, where over 50,000 jobs were lost. But those same massive technological and cultural changes that killed Kodak provided a huge opportunity for a California surfer named Nick Woodman. Woodman was obsessed with surfing. His absolute love and devotion for the sport along with his drive and his hunger enabled him to find a way to add value. Chances are you've never heard of Woodman, but he had the brilliant idea to strap a waterproof camera to his wrist while riding the waves. All Woodman set out to do was find a way to enjoy his surfing after it happened. With digital photography coming out, he started to tinker with cameras and see if he could make them more waterproof and capture better quality video. And as technology changed, he continued to tinker. And tinker. He ended up inventing the GoPro, a tiny broadcast-quality clip-on-and-take-anywhere digital camera. This cool little device is now on the head of every extreme sports person in the world. Whether you're riding a bike paddling through rapids, snowboarding, or catching the waves, the GoPro allows you to capture the magic of your adrenaline rush and share it with everyone you love. Woodman's timing couldn't have been better. He began marketing the GoPro just as everybody started uploading their videos to YouTube and Facebook. He created a product he wanted to use, and figured he couldn't be the only guy needing one. Woodman figured out how to add value to lives of millions by making a new technology convenient, fun, and affordable. Ultimately, Woodman got in front of a trend. That trend was actively sharing digitally whatever was there. One of the key secrets if you really want to become wealthy, get in front of a trend. Today, the surfer from San Diego, California, is worth over $1 billion. A new category is born. Back in 2010, Matt Lauer invited me to join him for a special roundtable interview about where the economy was headed. I was joining Warren Buffett and the world's youngest female self-made billionaire, a woman named Sarah Blakely. Any opportunity to discuss the economy with Warren Buffett was a huge privilege, but what I didn't bank on was being totally blown away by Sarah Blakely's story. Blakely didn't disrupt an industry so much as create an entirely new one. A former Walt Disney World employee, Sarah was getting ready for a party when she realized she didn't have the right underwear for a pair of fitted white pants. Rather than go commando, she decided to take matters into her own hands. Armed with nothing more than a pair of scissors and a whole lot of sass, she cut the feet off her control-top pantyhose and voila, a new industry was born. Of course, it didn't happen overnight, and it didn't happen easily. Sarah shared with me that one of the most important secrets to her success was that from an early age, her father actually encouraged her to fail. But he defined failure not as failure to get a result, but failure to try. Around the dinner table, he would ask if she had failed today, and he was truly excited if she had, because he knew that meant she was on the path to success. Tony, it just took away my fear of trying, she told me. Down and out in a dead-end office product sales job, Blakely invested all the money she had in the world, $5,000, 
and set out to create bodywear that would work for her. I must have heard no a thousand times, she said, but she didn't listen. In addition to the $5,000 she invested, she saved $3,000, which she didn't have, on legal fees by writing her own patent from a Barnes & Noble textbook. Ultimately, the company she founded, Spanx, created an entirely new category of products called shapewear and has inspired a cult-like following among women worldwide. According to my wife, put on a pair to pull in all your its and bits and you'll take three inches off your waistline immediately. With Oprah's blessing, Spanx turned from a small business into a worldwide sensation. Today, Spanx is worth over a billion dollars, and the brand now includes over 200 products that help women look and feel great. Ever the optimist, Sarah tried to work her magic on me. She tried to get me to wear a pair of her new Spanx for men when we were together on the Today Show. I thanked her and mentioned gently perhaps she didn't understand the male market as well as the female market, but I remain inspired by her example. In the end, Spanx for Men has also taken off, no thanks to me. Today, Blakely owns 100% of her company, has zero debt, and has never taken on outside investment. In 2013, Time named her one of its 100 most influential people. Like Nick Woodman, she saw a need and moved to fill it. She refused to be limited by her own story and found a way to add value. You can too. You don't have to start a billion-dollar company, disrupt an entire category, or make $4 million as a teacher online. You don't even have to take on four jobs at once. But if these people are capable of doing that, couldn't you find a way to make an extra $500 or $1,000 a month? Or maybe even an extra $20,000 or $50,000 or even $100,000 or more a year? Couldn't you figure out how to unleash your own creativity, contribution, and focus to add more value to the marketplace and put that money in your freedom fund? You can. The time to begin is now. Find a way to earn or save an extra $500 a month or $6,000 a year. If it is invested at an 8% return over 40 years, it is worth $1.5 million. Remember our pizza example. If you find a way to earn $1,000 a month or $12,000 a year, that's worth $3 million in your nest egg. If you find a way to earn $3,000 a month or $36,000 a year, that's worth $9 million in your nest egg. What's the lesson? Go add value, earn more, and invest your earnings, and you can create any level of financial freedom you truly desire. Chapter 3.5 Speed It Up 3. Reduce Fees and Taxes and Invest the Difference We have what it takes to take what you have. Suggested IRS Motto You must pay taxes, but there's no law that says you gotta leave a tip. Morgan Stanley Advertisement So now you're rocking and rolling. You're speeding up your path to financial freedom by saving more and earning more. What's left? Doesn't that cover it? Actually, no. You now know as an insider it's not what you earn that matters, it's what you keep. Our third strategy for speeding things up is to get more money out of your investments by reducing your fees and taxes and reinvesting the difference. 
Remember our three childhood friends from Chapter 2.2, Myth 2, Our Fees, They're a Small Price to Pay? They all invested $100,000 at the age of 35 and earned a 7% return on their investment. But each one was subject to a different set of fees, and the difference between the 1%, 2%, and 3% fees came out to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Taylor, who paid just 1% in fees, accumulated almost twice as much money as her friend Jason, who paid 3% in fees. Her investment grew to $547,349, while he was left with only $324,340. Remember, those hidden fees on mutual funds average an astronomical 3.17%. The difference between owning high-cost, fee-laden mutual funds versus low-cost index funds could literally cost you a decade's worth of your life's work. Talk about slowing you down on your path to financial freedom. And to add insult to injury, studies show that the high fees that come along with those mutual funds almost never lead to increased performance. So stay away from excessive fees. Run for the hills. Find low-cost index funds to invest in and heed the warning of Jack Bogle, who showed us that paying through-the-nose fees can eat up as much as 50% to 70% of your future nest egg. The mantra is simple. Take the money you save on fees and reinvest it for compounded growth. This strategy is another fast lane to freedom. And what about an even bigger bite of your savings? Do you know what the single largest bite to come out of your nest egg is? Survey says, taxes. Over the course of our lives, the average American pays more than half of our income to an assortment of taxes, income tax, property tax, sales tax, tax at the pump, and so on. 54.25% is what many experts currently estimate. Good old Uncle Sam, and we're not done yet. After 54.25% has been lopped off for the tax man, You can also say goodbye to another 17.25% of each dollar you earn in interest expense and fees. Got a car, a house, any credit card or student loan debt? In April 2014, the average U.S. household had credit card debt of over $15,000, student loan debt of over $33,000, and mortgage debt of over $150,000. As a nation, we are up to our eyeballs in debt. The fact is, on average, approximately one-third of the income you have left after taxes will be spent on paying down interest. That leaves you with, drumroll please, a whopping 28.5% of your hard-earned income left over to pay for everything else in life. Food, clothing, shelter, education, health care, travel, entertainment, and anything else you happen to stumble upon at the mall or on Amazon. Plus, out of this same number, you have to find a way to save and invest for financial freedom, or at least some form of retirement income. Becoming more efficient with your taxes is one way to get back some of that 54% you've given away. Keep more of your hard-earned income, and that's money you could invest, compound, and achieve your vision of financial freedom quicker. In fact, if you're a high-income earner, living in a high-income state like California, as I used to, Your total tax bill, including income, investment, payroll, Obamacare, and Social Security, clocks in at 62%. Which means that unless you have an efficient tax strategy, you get to keep only 38 cents out of every dollar you earn. 
There's no good reason to pay more than you have to. In fact, it's your right as an American not to pay more than you have to. As Judge Billings' learned hand, one of the most influential judges of all time, stated, Anyone may arrange his affairs so that his taxes shall be as low as possible. He is not bound to choose that pattern which best pays the treasury. There is not even a patriotic duty to increase one's taxes. Over and over again the courts have said that there is nothing sinister in so arranging affairs as to keep taxes as low as possible. Everyone does it, rich and poor alike, and all do right, for nobody owes any public duty to pay more than the law demands. I follow Judge Hand's wisdom. I don't believe in paying any more than I absolutely have to, and neither should you. I continually look for legal, ethical ways to lower my tax bill, and I do my best to make use of government initiatives that allow me to build my nest egg in a tax-free environment. I learned from those I interviewed that tax efficiency is one of the most direct pathways to shorten the time it takes to get from where you are now to where you want to be financially. I am proud to be paying taxes in the United States. The only thing is, I could be just as proud for half of the money. Arthur Godfrey Let's be clear. I'm a patriot. I love America. I'm one of millions of examples of the American dream. And I'm happy, well, perhaps not happy, but proud, to pay my taxes. Yet I pay millions of dollars in taxes every year. My tax bill is more than I ever thought I'd earn in a lifetime, much less a year. But I know from Yale's David Swenson that there are only three forces that can help you achieve the greatest returns. 1. Asset Allocation 2. Diversification 3. Tax Efficiency It helps, of course, that David is running a non-profit organization, but for the rest of us, even with current tax laws, there are ways to maximize investment returns and minimize your tax bill. Money Power Principle 4 Tax efficiency is one of the simplest ways to continuously increase the real returns on your portfolio. Tax efficiency equals faster financial freedom. Listener alert. If your brain is going to blur as I talk about taxes, I get it. Then simply jump immediately to the next chapter so you don't lose momentum. But be sure to schedule a time to sit down with your fiduciary and or tax expert to learn how to be most tax efficient with your investments. If you're willing to go for it, the next few minutes offer some simple tax distinctions that, when understood, will allow you to keep more of your invested income and achieve your financial dreams faster. Pick your tax. What if you realize that a small amount of tax knowledge could save you from needlessly paying 30% of what you earned to the taxman? How much faster could you achieve your financial goals? You need to pay close attention to three types of taxes as an investor. 1. Ordinary Income Tax As stated, if you're a high-income earner, your combined federal and state income taxes are nearing or exceeding 50% between both federal and state taxes. 2. Long-Term Capital Gains This is a tax on investments, which is only 20% if you hold your investment for longer than one year before you sell. 3. Short-Term Capital Gains This is a tax on investment gains if the investment is sold before you have held it for a minimum of one year. Today, the rates are currently the same as ordinary income taxes. Ouch! Now that you know the power of compounding, 
I'm sure you realize the difference between compounding your growth after taking a 50% tax bite versus 20% can mean the difference between arriving at your financial goals a decade early or never getting there at all. Want to understand the real impact of this? If you're getting an 8% gross return in your mutual fund, on average you're paying as much as 3% in fees, let's call it 2% conservatively. So now your 8% return nets you 6% after fees. But we're not done yet. If you're a high-income earner from California or New York, with a 50% federal and state ordinary income tax, you're left with closer to 3% on your investment after all these fees and taxes. Remember, you only get to spend what you keep. If you invest with a 3% net return, it takes 24 years to double your money. If you made the same investment in an index fund, your 8% return would have fees in the range of 10 to 50 basis points, or 0.10% to 0.50%. We'll go for the larger number just to be conservative. That means you have a 7.5% return. 8% minus 0.5% equals 7.5%. But since the index is not constantly trading, you defer all tax, and so your net return for the year is 7.5%. That means you can reinvest those returns and tap into the incredible power of compounding without the tax man interfering. If you conscientiously manage your investments for tax efficiency, your 7.5% allows you to double your investments in 9.6 years instead of 24 years. Now do you see the importance of both tax and fee efficiency? So how do you lower your tax bill and keep more of your earnings so you can compound your investments and achieve your idea of financial freedom faster? Make sure that wherever possible you invest in a way that allows you to defer your taxes, 401k, IRA, annuity, defined benefit plan, so that you compound tax-free and pay tax only at the time you sell the investment. Or set up a future tax-free environment by growing your investments in a Roth. When you do sell any investment held outside of a tax-deferred account, like an IRA, make sure you hold for a minimum of a year and a day in order to qualify for the lower long-term capital gains rate, which at the time of this writing is 20%. One more thing. Beware of mutual funds. For most people, a home sale is usually a once- or twice-a-decade thing and your accountant or tax expert can easily explain how to do this most tax efficiently. But let's take a look at mutual funds. Do you know what those mutual fund managers of yours are doing every day? They're trading. They are buying and selling stocks and bonds on a daily, monthly, or quarterly basis. This is what the industry calls turnover. So although their marketing material encourages investors to buy and hold, the managers certainly don't practice what they preach. What they really mean is buy and hold their mutual fund while they trade your retirement savings like crazy, wrote Charlie Farrell of CBS Market Watch. Experts say that the vast majority of mutual funds do not hold on to their investments for a full year. Why else would you buy them other than hoping they can trade their way to better performance? And you know what that means? Unless you're holding all of your mutual funds inside your 401k, you're typically paying ordinary income taxes on any gains. In short, there's a good chance you're being charged 35%, 45%, up to 50% or more in income tax 
depending on what state you live in and your income level. All this tax, and you didn't even sell your mutual fund. So instead of keeping all your gains and having them continue to compound tax-deferred, you are taking a devastating hit to your compounding ability that is completely avoidable if you understand tax efficiency. Even if you've maxed out your 401k and IRA, you can still make investments in a form that allows you to defer taxes. Index funds do not constantly trade individual companies. They usually hold a fixed basket of companies that only change if the index that the fund tracks actually changes, which is rare. As a result, if you're investing in an index long-term, you're not taking the tax bite each year. You're deferring the taxes since you've not sold anything. That money can remain in the fund and continue to compound earnings to its owner, you. Your fiduciary or a great tax expert can help you understand all the ways you can produce more net growth in your freedom fund so that your compounding process is maximized. Remember, this can save you years or even decades. And finally, in Section 5, there is a strategy that you'll learn about in the Secrets of the Ultra-Wealthy chapter that you can use, too. An IRS-approved method that will make a huge difference by allowing you to compound your investments and help you keep your nest egg tax-free. This could allow you to achieve your financial goals up to 25-50% to 50% faster without taking any greater investment risks. Have I got your attention? I hope so. Because it's your money and it's your life. Don't let anyone take it or waste it. So you now have three fast-track strategies to speed up the pace and win the money game. 1. Save more and invest the difference. 2. Earn more, add value, and invest the difference. 3. Reduce fees and taxes and invest the difference. Now it's time to turn on the juice and take a quick look at some of the ways you can increase what your investments earn. Chapter 3.6 Speed it up. 4. Get better returns and speed your way to victory. If you're prepared and you know what it takes, it's not a risk. You just have to figure out how to get there. There is always a way to get there. Mark Cuban how do you get a greater return while still reducing risk? Most people think that in order to get higher returns, you have to take huge risk. But the greatest investors know that's simply not the case. Remember Kyle Bass from Chapter 2.8, you got to take big risks to get big rewards? He blew the high-risk, high-return myth out of the water with something called asymmetric risk-slash-reward. That's a fancy term for a pretty simple concept. How do you explain it? Kyle turned $30 million into $2 billion by finding an investment opportunity where he risked only $0.03 cents for the opportunity to make $1. More accurately, $3 million for $100 million upside, and expanded that risk-slash-reward ratio into billions. Remember how he taught his sons to make riskless investments with significant upside by buying nickels? The upside, reward, is way bigger than the downside, risk, on this deal which makes it asymmetric. One of Paul Tudor Jones' greatest successes is that he knows he can be wrong and still be successful because he uses asymmetric risk-slash-reward to guide his investment decisions. He's always looking for what he calls a 5-to-1 investment, where if he risks $1, he believes he can make $5.
Jones is willing to risk $1 million when his research shows he's likely to make $5 million. Of course, he could be wrong, but if he uses the same 5 to 1 formula on his next investment and he's successful, he will have made $5 million minus the first investment loss of $1 million for a net investment gain of $4 million. Using this formula of constantly investing where he has the opportunity for asymmetric rewards for the risk he's taking, Paul could be wrong four out of five times and break even. If he lost $1 million four times in a row trying to make $5 million, he would have lost a total of $4 million. But when the fifth decision is a success with a single home run, he earns back his total $5 million investment. The greatest investors in history know how to maximize their returns. They know how to set the game up to win. You'll learn more about what Paul teaches in the 1% section in my Billionaire's Playbook interview with him. He is going to share with you his $100,000 MBA, or the most important things he's learned about investing, one of which is how to be wrong and still win. So asymmetric risk-slash-reward is the first way to get higher returns. The second way? You'll learn more about this in Chapter 4.1 on Asset Allocation, but for now, just know that if real estate's mantra is location, 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 then the mantra for getting better returns while reducing risk is diversification, diversification, diversification. Effective diversification not only reduces your risk, but also offers you the opportunity to maximize your returns. Asset allocation is the one thing that every investment professional I've talked to the best in the world, have said is the difference between where you end up financially. It's the most important skill and it's the one most investors know little about. So in Chapter 4.1, The Most Important Investment Decision You'll Ever Make, you're going to learn the power of asset allocation and be able to implement its gifts to benefit you and your family for the rest of your life. On top of that, you're going to see in Section 6 the exact asset allocation of some of the most successful investors in the world who have consistently produced the highest returns. Yes, you heard that right. You'll be able to model the exact strategies of the best investors on the planet. You'll have Ray Dalio's asset allocation. Obviously, past performance doesn't guarantee future performance, but in the case of Ray Dalio, your strategy is coming from one of the greatest investors of all time, and his focus is getting you the greatest return with the least amount of risk. Dalio has been estimating every type of market and finding what the best ratio is through asset allocation for over 20 years. He has over $160 billion in assets under management and a record of only three losing years out of the last 22. After listening to this book, you will learn a strategy that is based on Ray's groundbreaking approach for the world's wealthiest individuals, institutions, and governments. How fast can you go? It's probably pretty obvious that we'd all like better returns. But what's less obvious is the massive impact that better returns have on your time horizon for investing. The rule of 72 says that it takes 72 years to double your money at a 1% compounded rate. So if you've got $10,000 to invest at 1% compounded, you may not be around to see that money double. You can cut that timeline in half by doubling your rate to 2% and in half again by doubling that rate to 4%. So what's the difference between a 10% return and a 4% return? A 10% return doubles every 7.2 years. A 4% return doubles every 18 years. 
If you want to radically change your plan and get to financial freedom in 7 years versus 18 years, you can. 14 years instead of 36. Those are the types of differences that are possible when you learn how to get better returns. And the most important thing is to get these greater returns without taking significantly greater risks wherever possible. You're looking for that asymmetric risk-slash-reward that all great investors seek. It's elusive, but it's out there. And this is just one more way that you can speed up your approach to realizing your dreams. So your next question is likely, where do I start looking for my own asymmetric risk-slash-reward opportunities? Sometimes they turn up in the unlikeliest of places. For me, maybe because I grew up in Southern California, I've always believed in including real estate as a key component of my portfolio. And if you ever turn on the news, it's hard not to notice the demographic shift that's taking place in this country right now, with 10,000 people turning 65 every day. The boomers are hitting retirement in droves. In the back of my mind, I always knew there had to be a way to provide some of my capital to help expand quality facilities for people entering this stage of life while providing a profit for me. But it wasn't until I visited my wife's grandmother in Vancouver, British Columbia, that I connected the dots for a future investment in retirement communities. My wife, my Bonnie Pearl, my sage, is the love of my life. Her family is my family. Her grandma Hilda was my grandma. I loved her dearly. After being married for 58 years, her husband died, and we all watched as she suffered. For ten years, Hilda cried herself to sleep at night. She was living on her own, proud and independent, but heart-achingly lonely, missing her life partner. We didn't have the heart to put her in a home, yet with her dementia worsening, Bonnie Pearl's mom, Sharon, was determined to find Hilda a home with the best possible care. We had heard that some retirement communities were pretty spectacular, and after weeks of looking, Sharon finally found a community that gave the Four Seasons a run for its money. This place is amazing. I always said I'd stay there, and I don't say that about many places. So guess what happened to Grandmom after moving into her new digs? Forget that she traded up to a beautiful new apartment with modern amenities and 24-hour care. That was just the tip of the iceberg. More amazing than that, she began a second life. At 88 years old, she transformed into a new woman and fell in love again. A 92-year-old Italian captured her heart. I don't let him under my shirt yet, but he tries all the time, she grinned. They had four beautiful years together before he passed away, and I kid you not, at his funeral, she met her next beau. Her last decade was filled with a quality of life she never could have envisioned. She found happiness, joy, love, and friendship again. It was an unexpected last chapter of her life and a reminder that love is the ultimate wealth. It can show up unexpected anytime, anywhere, and it is never too late. Grandmom's story opened up the realization that there was a real need for retirement communities that were effectively staffed and beautiful just like hers. How could I find a way to invest in an opportunity like that? Obviously, just walking into a home and asking to invest is probably not the most effective strategy. So I went to my personal advisor, A.J. Gupta, at Stronghold, and told him what I believed in and what I was looking for. He found an opportunity where my investment not only stood to make a great return, but also aligned with my own values and beliefs and with a broader trend in the market. 
Many experts look at this category as a demographic inevitability because the 75-year-old age segment will grow by 84% between 2010 and 2030. Demand will be greater than supply. AJ found an investment company run by an amazing entrepreneur who builds, invests, and manages high-end senior living facilities. He started with nothing and has built it into a $3 billion enterprise. He finds the sites, puts up up to half the money himself, and then rounds up a small group of investors to put up the rest. Here's what I get in exchange. I get a preferred return on my money, which are income payments each month, based on the profitability of the facility. This can range between 6 to 8% per year, and because it's real estate, I also get the tax benefit of depreciation, which means I don't have to pay income tax on the entire income payment. Plus, I own a piece of the real estate, which over the long term, I believe will increase in value, and I get to participate in the exit strategy when the investor group eventually sells the facility. To be clear, this specific investment is limited to investors who are accredited and meet certain net worth slash income limits. But don't fret. For those who are non-accredited, there are publicly traded REITs, Real Estate Investment Trusts, which focus solely on owning a basket of properties around the country. These can be purchased for as little as $25 a share at the time of this writing and offer dividend income payments each quarter. Do your homework and or have a fiduciary advisor help you find the best available. If senior housing seems out of reach, another strategy in real estate is lending your money with a first trust deed as security. I'll describe to you in the chapter on asset allocation an example of how investors that need money will take short-term loans at high rates, for example, a one-year loan for 8% to 10%, and you get the first trust deed as collateral. When done effectively, you can loan, for example, $50,000 on a $100,000 home or half a million dollars on a million-dollar home, and the property could drop 50% and you'd still be in good shape. While others are collecting 3% and 4% returns, you're getting 8% to 10%. Once you start passionately focusing on ways to save more, earn more, reduce fees and taxes, and find better returns with even less risk, you'll be amazed at how many new opportunities you'll discover. Again, a great fiduciary advisor won't just guide you. They can also help you to find investment opportunities with that magical asymmetric risk-slash-reward that all successful investors seek. Okay, we're coming to the home stretch of this section. This final step can massively increase the speed at which you achieve your most important financial goals. Plus, it's fun to dream and explore. You're going to love the journey of this next chapter. Let's discover. Chapter 3.7 Speed It Up 5. Change Your Life and Lifestyle for the Better My favorite things in life don't cost any money. It's really clear that the most precious resource we all have is time. Steve Jobs What would happen if, for just a moment, you considered making a change? A big change, like picking up and moving to another city. You could be living large in Boulder, Colorado for what you're paying just in rent in New York City or San Francisco. The cost of homes, food, taxes, and so on differ wildly depending on where you live. Our country, our world, is one of boundless opportunity waiting for you to explore. So why not take off the blinders just for a moment to consider what life could be like if you lived in a new city or town? 
Are you freezing your butt off in the Midwest winters or battling the heat of summer in Atlanta, wondering year after year why you don't hoof it to a better climate? As a native son of Southern California, I'm always amazed by people who spend their lives freezing to death in the Arctic tundra of Minneapolis or Chicago. And even if you don't care about the weather, you've got to care about your cost of living. A million-dollar home in Washington, D.C. costs a fraction of that in Raleigh, North Carolina, a city rated as the third best place for business and careers by Forbes, not to mention a high-tech and educational hub that also has great weather. Or what about something more local, a move from San Francisco to San Diego? You can stay in the great state of California and still cut your housing cost in half. It's one thing to be tax-efficient in your investments. It's another to be tax-efficient in your life. You're trying to save 5% here, 10% there. What about saving 10% or 15% or more in everything you do by moving to a less expensive city or a tax-friendly state? Think about all the additional money you'd have to invest, share, donate, if it didn't go straight to rent, food, or transportation. One single move could give you a 10% to 30% increase in your income. If you're already saving 10% with a move, you can now save 20 to 40% without spending an additional dime. This change in your savings rate will put some rocket fuel in your money machine that will massively improve the pace at which you achieve financial freedom. I know what you're going to say. Move to a new city? You've got to be crazy, Tony. I can't just pick up and move. I have a job. I have family. I have friends. I've lived my whole life in Dallas or Seattle or Miami or Denver. But if you saw that you could save 10 years of your investing life, reach your financial freedom goals a decade sooner or even more, might it be worth it? Generations of Americans have looked at retirement as a time to pick up and move to a warmer climate a less expensive city, or to a beautiful, low-key place like Boise, Idaho, or Greenville, South Carolina, to breathe clean air and enjoy the outdoors. But why wait until retirement? Why not change your zip code today? Why not find a place to raise your family that allows you to reduce your cost of living and elevate your quality of life at the same time, while you're young enough for both you and your children to reap the rewards? If you're still shaking your head no, I get it. I was with you on this one actually until recently. I grew up in California and never imagined living anywhere else. Even when I started traveling extensively and buying homes and properties all over the world, California was always my home base. Then in 2012, California raised taxes on the highest income earners by more than 30% to 13.3%. After a lifetime of paying through the nose on state income taxes, historically among the most punishing in the country, the tax situation got even worse. My effective tax rate after federal and state income taxes, Social Security, investment taxes, payroll taxes, and the Obamacare tax shot up to 62%. That meant I was left with 38 cents on every dollar. Just 38 cents. And on top of that, the new state income tax increase was made retroactive, meaning that I was going to have to pay additional tax on income I had already earned that year. They changed the rules of the game after the fact. I had reached my limit. This was outrageous. Because of my travel and the time I spent in my other homes, I was living in California for only 90 days out of the year. Just 90 days for literally a multi-million dollar state tax bill? California was no longer sustainable for me. I'd had enough. 
I had played by the rules, and the rules had come back to bite me. But instead of feeling sorry for myself, I voted with my conscience, or with my feet, I should say. Along with thousands of others, Sage and I realized we were no longer welcome in California. So we decided to take the plunge and look for a new place to live. In fact, California has lost over $30 billion in annual income tax revenue over the last two decades to states such as Nevada, Arizona, Texas, and Wisconsin. If you want to see how big this trend is and how many people are moving from high-tax to low-tax states, go to the How Money Walks website at howmoneywalks.com. We turned it into a kind of treasure hunt. We looked at places like Lake Tahoe, where we really liked the mountains, the mix of seasons, and the small-town vibe, and Austin, Texas, where music, energy, and high-tech come together to create the fabric of an innovative and connected community. We looked at Florida, too, reluctantly. All I knew of Florida were alligators and old people, but that's the stereotype, not the reality. What we found instead was a paradise in Palm Beach. After looking at 88 properties in three states in just three weeks, I told you I'm a massive action guy, we found the only brand new home on the water in Palm Beach. Two acres, nearly 200 feet of ocean frontage on one side, and the intercoastal Atlantic waterway on the other, with a 50-foot boat dock. I feel like I'm back in my home in Fiji. It's extraordinary. Sage has everything she wants close by, world-class restaurants, shopping, easy access to the entire East Coast, and all the privacy and serenity of living on an island right here in the United States. Of course, the price tag was way higher than I ever wanted or imagined paying for a home, but Florida has no state income tax. We went from 13.3% state income tax in California to nothing. Nada. Zip. So here's the kicker. With the state taxes we're saving every year, we are literally paying off our entire new home in six years. Did you catch that? We're paying for our entire home out of the tax savings we now get as residents of the Sunshine State instead of the Golden State. Kind of makes you think we should have done it sooner, huh? Better late than never. And if that weren't enough, which it is, we've massively improved our quality of life in the bargain. Every day we pinch ourselves as we wake up with magnificent weather, 78 degrees with a cool breeze off the ocean, and water you can melt into. It's so warm. In fact, Sage and I have become almost evangelical in our enthusiasm for our new home. We tell friends and family to think about moving down to Palm Beach to join us. My youngest son has already moved here. Two of my dearest friends in the world are on their way down from Connecticut and New York, and they're here to stay. And of course, even if they decided not to move here, we would have happily taken our tax savings and flown them all out here to visit us in paradise anyway. So whether or not you decide to join us in Palm Beach, there's a new zip code out there that might be just right for you. You don't have to wait for retirement to get there. From Nashville, Tennessee to Portland, Oregon, and from Augusta, Maine to Ann Arbor, Michigan, there are hundreds of affordable havens for young and old alike. Retirees looking to stretch their savings and continue to enjoy a rich, rewarding lifestyle, and young professionals looking to jumpstart or reimagine their careers. Check out U.S. News & World Report's feature on the best places to live for as little as $75 a day on their website. Also seriously consider the seven states where there's no state income tax at all. Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. 
Or try Tennessee and New Hampshire, where only your dividend and interest income are taxed at the state level. The Memphis and Nashville music scenes and more money in your pocket? How bad does that sound? Give your globe a spin. And while we're at it, why not think all the way outside the box on this one? Forget just a 10% to 20% increase in your spending power. How about cutting your cost of living by a third or in half? Get out your globe and give it a spin. And think about some of the beautiful and beautifully affordable places you could live if only you expanded your horizons. There are huge opportunities all over the world to improve your lifestyle and lower your expenses in places such as Bali, Fiji, Uruguay, Costa Rica, if you have the courage and the freedom to go for it. You can rent an extraordinary apartment in the mountains outside of Buenos Aires, Argentina, for a fraction of what it would cost for a studio walk-up in a major U.S. city. You can move to the Czech Republic and find a room just off Wenceslas Square in Prague's Newtown area, the heart of the city's cultural community. Remember my BMW-loving son? After he traded in his fancy wheels for a chance at a better lifestyle, he decided to think really big. He went down to Costa Rica for a couple of days and was completely blown away by the extraordinary culture. Turns out there is a huge English-speaking community in Costa Rica. Tons of expats who discovered their money went a lot further down there. Their days were a little richer, their nights more exciting. And Costa Rica isn't just a place to relax and unwind. Some of our leading companies have established important bases of operations there. Procter & Gamble, Heinz, Microsoft, Intel. The list goes on and on, which means there are countless career opportunities available. Life can be an adventure. Take a trip and explore a foreign city with an eye toward moving there. Turn your next vacation into a fact-finding expedition, where the end game is to try on a whole new way of life. You don't have to live in a box and go through the same motions each and every day. You don't have to worry about making your rent or covering your basic expenses if you open yourself up to the idea of massive change. Lift yourself from your comfort zone and spend 60%, 70%, even 80% less money getting you to your goal of financial freedom that much faster. And while you're at it, improve the quality of your life in an exponential way. Even if a move across the world seems too radical now, think about this option over the long term, a five-year plan or a ten-year plan or maybe a retirement plan. Why not at least open yourself to the idea that there's a beautiful and affordable place out there waiting to be discovered? Our world is dynamic. It's changing constantly. The idea that a move would be bad for your kids is a thing of the past. We live in a global economy. What an amazing experience to give your kids an opportunity to see the world, learn a new language, adapt to a new culture. You can make a family decision about creating a better quality of life for everyone. Life is like a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Albert Einstein At the end of the day, it's all about being more efficient and more effective with your earnings and your savings and speeding up your path to financial freedom. You can find a way to improve the quality of your life while reducing your cost of living simultaneously. It's the ultimate win-win. The best investment you can make is the one you make in yourself and your lifestyle. Wow, you've taken three giant steps toward financial freedom. Step one, 
You've made the most important financial decision of your life. You've decided to become an investor, not merely a consumer. You've committed a percentage of your income to save and invest in your freedom fund, and you've automated it. Step two, you've become an insider who knows the rules of the game. You've debunked the nine myths, and you'll never be taken advantage of again. Step three, you've made the game winnable. You know exactly how much money it will take for you to achieve financial security, independence, or freedom. You know your three to thrive, your short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. You've come up with an initial financial plan and a timeline for achievement. You've used the app to calculate approximately how long it will take you to meet financial goals you're most committed to. You've reviewed the five ways to speed up your plan. Ideally, you've begun to brainstorm ways to apply these insights to sock away more money or keep more money in your financial freedom fund. This can help you reach your cherished financial goals even quicker. So what's next? Step four answers the obvious question that's probably burning in your mind. Where do I put my money? What specific investments will maximize my upside and protect me against the downside? It's time to make the most important investment decision of your life. It's time to learn the power of asset allocation.